podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. People say treat yourself like you need a reason, but McDonald's treats are perfect for every day. Like bold McCafe iced coffee, get any size for $1.69. Or pick up any size sweet tea for a dollar. The largest served in an insulated cup that keeps your tea cold. Feeling a little extra something-something? Try the classic bakery sweets like an apple fritter. With so many ways to treat yourself, you don't need an excuse. Just come back tomorrow. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. This podcast is brought to you by Progressive. Are you thinking more about how to tighten up your budget these days? Drivers who save by switching to Progressive save over $700 on average. And customers can qualify for an average of six discounts when they sign up. A little off your rate each month goes a long way. Get a quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customers surveyed in 2020. Potential savings will vary. Discounts vary and are not available in all states and situations. table podcast where tonight we are previewing the Liverpool versus Chelsea game this coming Sunday at Anfield. Joining me tonight once again is Jay Riley. You can catch Jay on the Radio City Fan Friday talk show. And um, unfortunately we haven't been able to get hold of anyone to represent Chelsea tonight so myself and Jay will cover all things um, Chelsea related as well throughout the, the podcast. So Starting off, Jay, um, we're going to look back at the, the last Premier League fixture, which was Southampton away. Went down early on in the game, didn't we? And then um, come back just before half-time. And then second half, we, we ended up with the three points. But just give us your um, your thoughts on the performance in that fixture, please, Jay. Yes, we started off really slow in the first half, mainly the first 20 minutes. Southampton come out the traps quite quick, didn't he? And... That's what their new managers are all about, as we spoke on the last podcast about it. Since he's gone into the job there, he's transformed them a little bit, really. And, you know, they've, they've done quite well. He had a few wins under him, haven't they? And they've played a different style of football and very similar to the way Klopp done things when he first came to Liverpool, just changed things around a little bit and, you know, got everyone playing for each other and pressing all over the park. And that's what I thought he'd done to us. And, and we made a couple of mistakes, a couple of errors and, he took the lead early on, didn't he, with Shane Long, who, who hardly ever scores goals, and he scored against us, and he could have had a second one as well, to tell you the truth. And Liverpool was struggling, really, I thought, for 20 minutes, and quite fortunate to not be two goals down. And fortunately, we weren't, and, you know, we got back into the game, and, you know, it was nice to see Kater get on the score sheet because he hasn't had a great start to his Liverpool career, as he's really struggled to settle, and, you know, hopefully it'll do his confidence the world are good. And then he went and scored in midweek in the Champions League as well. So, you know, not bad two and two, but, you know, it was, uh, it was nice for him to get the equalising goal. You could see the relief, you know, like it's obviously been very difficult for him settling in at the club. And, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a monkey off his back, isn't it, to score that goal? And, you know, I think the players, the rest of his teammates were all delighted for him as we were fans as well. And, you know, it was great to be level before half time. And then, in the second half, Liverpool come out really quick. I mean, Klopp obviously had words with them at half-time because it wasn't good enough, the first-half performance, in my opinion, especially you know, if we're going for the title in the, in the game that we needed to win. And, you know, Liverpool were on top. We were dominant, really, in the second half. And it didn't really look like, at times, that we were going to score, really, did it, until, you know, obviously the changes were made and, and Milner and Henderson came on and I thought they both done really well. And, the, the, they're experienced players, aren't they? And it certainly showed in that second half when they came on. And I thought Liverpool should have had a penalty, though. I mean, it was definitely a foul on Cater for me. The referee was just very dismissive of it, and straight away he said it wasn't a penalty. But you know, it was a blatant penalty. The lad's gone in for the challenge, and he's caught him, and he's gone down. And 
you know, maybe some would say it was a little bit theatrical, but it was a 100% penalty for me. And, you know, that could have come back to haunt us, but thankfully it never. And like I say, Liverpool's performance, second half, fully deserved the three, the, the three points, a massive victory. And, you know, we had to wait until 10 minutes to go for, for the second goal to get our noses in front though. And fantastic uh, counter attack and goal really wasn't it? Henderson set it up really. And it was, well, Sadio Mane charged the ball down and Henderson's headed into the path of Mo Salah and, you know, it was just his blistering pace and everyone shouting at him to pass it to Firmino on his left-hand side, but he decided to go alone and it was a fantastic goal, wasn't it? And, you know, he's waited a long time to get his 50th league goal for Liverpool and thankfully he's got it now in 69 games and it's a, an incredible achievement really, isn't it? Um, but it was a, it was a great goal to put Liverpool 2-1 up and, Soon after that, a little bit of magic from Bobby Firmino. Later on, a play for Henderson, who was brilliant, I thought, when he came on as a substitute in a more advanced role. And, you know, he just slotted it home. And you could, again, you know, his first goal of the season and, and the relief from Henderson as well, similar to, to Navi Keita. You know, he's had coming for a lot of criticism this season. Some saying that he, he doesn't want him to start and bed in the Liverpool team, even though he is the captain. He's been in and out the side, to be honest with you, and you know he's been he's been you know championing really to 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 get into the starting eleven, and you know he had a point to prove, and that's what it, I think he feels he has got a point to prove, and he wants to play further forward, and that's exactly what happened, and he and he got his he got his reward, and you know he, he finished it off and three one and lovely three points and went top of the table, so you know it was a massive three points because it was a, a potential banana skin really wasn't it you know a Friday night game under the lights of St Mary's against the resurgence Southampton team with a new manager so you know it, it was a massive victory it, it felt like a massive result you know coming from behind and the manner that we won the game um, you know made the statement really that we're certainly in this battle now right till the end and there's only five games to go and the pressure is now back onto, onto Manchester City who play before us on Sunday before our massive game against Chelsea, but you know it was just a relief to get the three points. But it was a massive three points. Yeah, it most certainly was. Um, and all the Liverpool fans watching the game, obviously, and the ones in the crowd, everyone was just ecstatic, wasn't he, with the, with the with them three points and the way we came from from behind to win the win the game. But um, just one thing you mentioned there, Jay, was the the performance of Henderson when he came on also Milner but I'd just like to ask you about the the Jordan Henderson situation where now um, against Porto as well he, he played in a, another different role to what he has been previously in the number six role if you like what it's being called and now Klopp's moved him into like sort of a um, more of an attacking midfield player where he can get box to box and um, and stuff like that so what do you think of, of the of the tactical change in his in his game and um how it can affect us going forward over the next five games and Champions League games, please, Jake. Well, I think if you, if you look back to when Henderson first joined the club seven or eight years ago, he was actually a right midfield player at times. He played right midfield quite a lot. I mean, and he moved into centre mid. He played there a little bit. He, he did play more advanced roles in the central midfield area. It's only been more of a, a more recent thing where he's played as a six, if you like. But Liverpool have got Fabinho to do that role now, and, and to me, he's a lot better than Henderson at doing that role. Um, so it, it's no surprise, really, that he's been tried again in a more advanced role. Now, whether or not he's good enough to do it, you know, like consistently week in, week out, and, and be a regular, I'm not so sure. I mean, you know, his output's not been fantastic, has it, in terms of assists and goals, and you need to chip in a little bit more if you're going to play the advanced role. But, you know, you can't complain too much because he came on against Southampton and he did end up scoring a goal, didn't he, his first of the season. So it is food for thought going forward and it is a potential there for, you know, a permanent shift. But but will he always get his game still? And, and, and to me, I'd still have any doubts, do you know what I mean? But, you know, it did seem to benefit the side at Southampton and, and, it, and he, he done really well in the Champions League game, I thought, as well, against Porto. Um you know, I think it's getting to the stage of the season now where a lot of these players, they can almost smell it. They can taste the fact that we're going for two trophies and we're massively in the hunt for it. You know, I think it was Virgil van Dijk who said we're nine games from glory or something like that. And he, he said, right, because, you know, we've got five Premier League games to go. 
we've got another Champions League game guaranteed minimum against Porto, and then you'd like to think we've got another another two or three, you know, semi final probably against Barcelona, and then you know hopefully who knows if we get past them we'll be in the final in Madrid. So you know it's one of them situations now where every single player they get into that stage where they can almost touch it the success. So. You know, everyone wants to play now. They're all raring to go, aren't they? And, and you, you could see it. Like, Henderson seemed very aggressive when he came on against Southampton. Again, the other night against Porto, very aggressive. And, and I mean aggressive in a good in a good way, by the way. Not like anything to do with aggressive in terms of, you know, ill-discipline and, you know, like, go, like going into challenges that he shouldn't be. I'm just talking about energy levels. Know, really up for it, like a bit of fire in the belly, and that's what Liverpool needs as well as you know the quality that we possess as well in terms of creativity and scoring goals and creating chances and what have you. So it is good to see, and you know at the end of the day, he's the club captain, and he doesn't start all the time, does he? So he, we will always feel he's got a point to prove because, in my opinion, if you're a captain of the football club, you should be playing. You should be either the best player in the team or the most influential player in the team. But unfortunately for Jordan Henderson, he's neither. So it is a bit of a strange situation that we've got because, you know, Klopp stayed really loyal to him. Jordan Henderson got the Liverpool captaincy by default, really, because he was one of the longest serving players there. And he, he, he was, he was part of the team when Carragher came to the end and Steven Gerrard came to the end. So by default, really, not because he was the best player, he got the captain's armbands and basically Jurgen Klopp's came in. And because Henderson is such a fantastic professional, he's brilliant, you know, like off the pitch and in the dressing room, and he, he's great. But on the pitch, he's, he's, he's just okay. I mean, he's a good player, don't get me wrong, but he's not a star quality player. He's not influential. He's not the best player. So this is my point. It's a strange one because Jürgen Klopp stayed loyal to him, hasn't he? He's not, never, ever once stripped him of the captaincy, even though he doesn't play every single game. Realistically, most people, if they had the choice, would say Virgil van Dijk should be Liverpool captain now because he's absolutely sensational. He's a leader of men, isn't he? He's one of our best players, if not, well, he's a very influential player anyway. So he fits the bill and to be, to be the captain. He is the captain in my eyes, but because he plays every single game, he's the most important name on the team sheet. But with Henderson, it's a little bit different and Klopp has just stayed loyal to him. And I just think it's because he recognises like what a great professional that he is and he's great for the club in general. But, you know, we need to start doing it on the pitch a lot more with a lot more consistency, shall we say. I mean, don't get me wrong, he will have some great performances. I remember back to the, the last round of the Champions League against Bayern Munich at Anfield. I know although albeit the game was nil nil, I thought he was tremendous on the night. So, you know, we know he's got it in his locker. He just needs to find that consistency really and you know, he does, you know, with the fans, he sort of like, he divides opinion because some fans do, do think he, he, he's very good. But then you'll get the other fans who don't think he's good enough and shouldn't be a starter and shouldn't be at the club. And it's a strange situation, really. I mean, I'm sort of like on the fence with it because I don't think he's, he's, he's fantastic. I don't think he should be the captain. But then I don't think he's as bad as what some make him out to be because he has put in some very good performances. What I will say about my own personal opinion on it is, I just think that he needs to find that little bit of consistency. And people might argue, well, if he's in and out the side all the time, how's he meant to find the consistency? Well, you know, it's by performing brilliantly, as he did the other night against Porto. Do it week in, week out, you know what I mean? And if you do, then make it hard for the manager to change it and make it hard for the manager to, to keep it out the team because he has put in quite a few poor performances as well this season. And even any, even the, the, the super fans out there who, who love Henderson and won't have a bad word said against them, even surely they can recognise that at times he's not doing it or he, he doesn't look good enough and he does suffer with injuries as well, so that doesn't help either. That like interrupts his, his flow of games, doesn't it? So, you know, he's a bit of a frustrating player, not quite as frustrating as the likes of your Alanas and your Sturridges, but, you know, he, he does miss games through injury quite a bit as well. He went off injured against Bayern Munich in the away game in the Allianz, didn't he? He missed the game against Fulham recently as well, but then played for England. So, you know, he's a frustrating type of player, but, you know, no one can ever question his professionalism and his commitment to the football club because it's, it's absolutely spot on. It's exemplary, really. And, you know, he wants his opportunity. And, and as I say, 
you know, come May, even June, he could be lifting that Premier League title aloft and he could also be lifting the European Cup. So, you know, here's hoping. Yeah, and um, just going back to that that game against Porto in, me, in midweek, sorry, Jay, when we um, when we come away with a 2 0 victory. What was your thoughts on the on the team performance, and is that enough for us going into the second leg over in in Portugal next week? I thought the Porto game we started really quickly, and in the first half, I mean they couldn't have complained if Liverpool were. were you know, I mean we beat them five 0 didn't we, last season in the in, in the last sixteen of the Champions League? I think they couldn't have complained if Liverpool were five 0 up at half time. You know, in, in this quarter final match the other night at Anfield, because Liverpool were, were, were dominant and. Their left, left sides was just took a battering. You know, Mo Salah was free all the time. Trent Alexander-Arnold was free all the time. Jordan Henderson even had a little go over there, a little spell where he was getting a lot of joy on that side. And we just carved them apart so many times. And it was actually a little bit disappointing to only go in at half time, 2-0. And then second half, I mean, they couldn't be as, it couldn't have been as bad as what they were defensively in the first half, in the second half. There's no way. Liverpool nearly scored again. Mane's goal was, was given offside in the ground. I thought it was onside. He'd done the VAR check. And obviously, he was offside. But I, 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 in, in the ground, I, I was convinced he was on. But, you know, as I say, it wasn't. And, and, and we, the goal didn't stand. And I thought Porto sort of like that gave them a boost, a little bit of a, a lift, really. And we'd done quite well, I thought, Porto. They'd, they'd certainly had a go second half and they were unfortunate not to get an away goal and I'm quite relieved that they never scored an away goal because it could have made it a little bit more tricky over there in Portugal next week and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting a completely different game to the way it was last year when we won there 5-0. It was a bit of a freak, really, that um, I do think they're a lot better than that and they showed it, I thought, in, in the second half at Anfield. They've certainly got good players who can hurt us and you know, if they can get an early goal next week, you know, who knows what could happen. But because they never got the away goal, I just think Liverpool sort of like, you could tell in the second half, they had one eye on the Chelsea game on Sunday. I think we were in cruise control, really. And maybe they will have a little goal with us in, in, in the, the drag round next week. But what you've got to realise is if Liverpool, basically, Liverpool are the worst team in football to have a goal at because we'll just crucify it on the counter-attack. So, so basically, if Liverpool score one goal, they need to score four. And they ain't scoring four goals against this Liverpool team. So, you know, all we need is to get an away goal. Let's tie over and into the semi-finals we go, probably against Barcelona. But, you know, I don't think that they're no mugs, Paul. So, though, I think they certainly have players that could, could cause us a few problems next week. So, you know, as early as we can to get that away goal, you know, the crucial away goal, then, you know, that's what we want, isn't it? Because the last thing we need is it to be 1-0, like 70 minutes to go. They're 70 minutes gone, sorry. And then all of a sudden, you, you, you bombard us a little bit. And if you get a second goal, the last thing we need is, is extra time or, or anything like that. You know, we, we want to get that away goal as quickly as we can because that means they need four and it's effectively tie over. So, you know, I don't think it's done yet. It would have been nice to have won the game 3-0 at Anfield the other night and no, a third would have really put the tight to bed for me, but it's still in the melting pot a little bit, but massive advantage for Liverpool, really. And, you know, you'd like to think Liverpool would score an away goal over there in Portugal, and it should be a, a semi final against Barcelona, really, shouldn't it? Because I thought, you know, Barcelona and Man United the other night, it was, it was an awful game, really. And, you know, I thought Man United are a very poor side, I think, to be honest with you. And, Oli Gunnar guys, he's tactically inept. He's out of he's out of his depth, to be honest. So you're very fortunate, I thought, getting through against Paris Saint-Germain. You know, two defensive errors for the first two goals, and then the the VAR decision, very dodgy decision, given the penalty. So you know, it's it's you know, let's be honest, we all thought Barcelona were gonna gonna beat them anyway, really, didn't we? And there was signs though that. You know, they reminded me a little bit like Bayern Munich. You know, still got good quality footballers, but aging a little bit. You know, like a, a team in decline, really. And I think yeah. if Liverpool do play them in the semi-final, I certainly think there was food for thought there to think Liverpool could could beat them over two legs. I mean, sure, they've got goals in there with Messi and Suarez and good players like your, your Coutinho's and your Rakitic and your Arta, but. You know, I'm looking at that thinking defensively, did a bit, a little bit of a shambles, to be honest. And we're very disappointed that Liverpool couldn't score a few against that Barcelona back line. So, 
you know, to me, I think I I would feel confident playing them over two legs, and you know, hopefully we'd be able to get to another European Cup final. Yeah, most definitely. Jay, fingers crossed about that one. Um, just like to ask you this one, Jay. It's it's a not more of an observation really that's been sent into us on um, on the Twitter page. It's it's off a guy called Ashindra, and he says um, if Liverpool are to win Sunday, Salah needs to start passing the ball more often instead of trying to dribble past three players. Um, he, he seems to think Klopp needs to manage him better, um, and says Golden Boots does not matter when uh, you're trying to win the league. Um, what's your thoughts on, on them on them comments, Jay? And um, obviously, I agree with the golden boot part, but not necessarily. I don't think he's trying to dribble past a great deal of players, and he, he is showing a bit of um, unselfishness throughout the, the the main part of the season for me. But what's your thoughts on them comments, please, Jay? I don't know. I mean, there is at times I have felt like he has seemed a bit greedy, you know, and sometimes he does try and be too many players and he does try to do too much. But, you know, look, we can't complain too much, can we? I mean, last season he was sensational. What was it he scored? Was it 44 goals or something last year? And he won the Golden Boot. And this year he's one off winning the Golden Boot again, isn't he? And, you know, he unselfishly gave a penalty away to, to Roberto Firmino against Arsenal didn't he at December time and maybe yeah. that'll come back to haunt him because he might end up you know losing the golden boot by one goal I don't know but you know he has got quite a lot of assists this season as well that's another little thing to the ball that he's added he hasn't scored as many goals but he's he's got like you know a few assists like probably I'm not sure whether it's more than last season but he's still maintained that anyway where he's got the assists this season too so you know we can't complain can we you know we, he can do, at times he can do a little bit too much. I think that Michel, he can look a bit greedy at times, but I think it's easy to scrutinise when I think he scored, what is it, one in 12 games now, or what, or two in 12 games, something like that, which for Mo Salah, it's absolutely incredible really compared to what his stats were last season. No one would have envisaged him going on this sort of run where he, he just hardly scored any goals, but he still contributed in other areas and what I've noticed with him is teams are terrified of him, so he sort of like takes two two defenders away, and that that does allow the space then for your manes and you know like for your other players like your Firmino as well to maybe score goals. And you know Mane's very quick; he, he he's even quicker than Salah, so it's no coincidence that he scored like quite a lot of goals this season. He scored over twenty goals as well now, hasn't he? And a lot of it is down to like Salah being. I'm saying there he can be greedy at times when he keeps the ball, but he's also unselfish at times as well because you know he's having to deal with quite a like a couple of defenders around him because they're terrified of him. Do you know what I mean? Teams sit a little bit deeper as well at times because they know that you know Liverpool have got clever footballers and he's certainly one of them them players that's a massive threat to the opposition. So if if he drags to to fellas across, then obviously it leaves spaces then to be exploited for the likes of your Firmino's and your Mane's and they've reaped the benefits of it recently, certainly Sadio Mane as well, because he scored 10 in 10, didn't he, recently, so you know, we're getting to the crucial end of the season now, and it would be nice if, if Salah could go on a goal scorer and run, though, a bit like he did last season, but like I say, I get the point, though, I do get the point, but I just think that, you know, you've got to look at the bigger picture sometimes, and yeah, maybe his goal return hasn't been as good this season, but I do think that, you know, he's still been a vital part, a vital cog in the wheel, if you like, in in how the team's done this season. I think this season it's been a little bit different in terms of being a, a lot more methodical defensively and more controlled with the with the way we've played, you know, because we've got a better goalkeeper. Van Dijk's had like a little bit longer now. He's had a full season under his belt at Liverpool. And we've also got Fabinho that came into the side in, around about December time where he, he started it in the ground. Like he struggled at first initially. And I remember one game away from home against Arsenal. He looked like a, a fish out of water. And then all of a sudden, in the December time, we hit December time and, and he was great. And, and he, he hasn't looked back since. He's been fantastic, really. And Liverpool's spine now is a lot better than ever before. So, you know, I just think he's nurtured his game a little bit more. I mean, 
don't forget earlier on in the season, Klopp tended to play a 4-2-3-1 system as well, and it didn't really suit Firmino, did it? Because you had to drop deep and play more as a number 10, if you like, and Salah played up front, and I just don't think it suited him. I mean, I know he scored, he still scored a few goals, but, you know, he's better playing out wide for me. And yeah, I take on board what the lad's saying, but, you know, listen, like Mo Salah's still a very, very, very important to the way things work with Liverpool, the way we tick. And, and he, he, to me, he's still the biggest threat. And, and that is down to the fact that, you know, the opposition's terrified of him. Because they're terrified of him, sometimes you'll find there's two men on him quite a lot, to be honest with you. And he can be greedy at times. I do get that. But, you know, there's other areas that you have to look at because he's freeing up space for others. Excellent stuff. Cheers, Jay. Right. Okay. Looking forward to the, to the game at the weekend against, Chelsea. Um, obviously, they've got a game tonight as we're, we're recording away at a, in um, against Slavia Prague. So they also played Monday night, which means they'll have pl- by the time they play us, it's the third game in in six six days, is it? After playing Monday evening, so how much of an effect do you think that will have on on Chelsea? Um, and you just see, obviously Hazard, but apart from him, who else is going to be? Um, looking to cause us problems from that Chelsea side, please, Jay? Well, look, I mean, there's no excuses on Sunday. The only thing I say is Chelsea are a little bit of a bogey team to Liverpool. I don't think we've beaten them at Anfield since, is it 2012? So it's seven years, it's a long time. There has been a lot of draws involved in them games, though. But I think it's also about five or six games since we last beat them in any game, including Stamford Bridge. So... They are a little bit of a bogey team to us and, you know, it's not going to be easy on Sunday against them at all because don't forget, you know, five years ago they were the team that ultimately cost us the title when Gerard slipped and Zemba Bar scored and in the second half we'd done everything but score and the hitters on the break and, and made it 2-0, wrapped it up and it was league over from that moment on in, to be honest, because people, some people will say about the Palace game but the facts are, even if we'd have beat Crystal Palace, we'd have still lost the league on goal difference, so... It was the Chelsea game that done us and, and now we have a chance to really re- rectify that five years on because, you know, it, this game on Sunday is absolutely huge. Make no mistake, this is the biggest game of the season. Everyone goes on about stuff, for, you know, games that have gone previous and what have you, but this is this is the big one now. Like People will say your next game's always the biggest one, but this is the one where you think if we win this one, then there's no reason why we shouldn't win the last four. They're all massive games on paper, yeah. Win Games that you'd expect Liverpool to win. And I know you can't just assume you're going to win them. But if we're going for a league title, the likes of Cardiff away, Huddersfield at home, Newcastle away, and Wolves at home, you've got to be looking at 12 points. So this is our toughest game that we've got left. And Chelsea are coming to town, they're coming to Anfield and... You know, they are a bit of a bogey team and, and they're the team that we all love to hate. And they hate us as well. Make no mistake, we've got a massive modern day rivalry with them. Goes back to when it was Rafa Benitez against Mourinho or the Champions League nights that we had with them. You know, there's, there's massive rivalry there between us and them. And they'd love nothing more to put a spanner in the works of Liverpool going for the title once more. And, you know, there's no excuses though from my point of view because Liverpool played Friday night. And then we played on Tuesday night. You know, you've got to look at Chelsea played on Monday against West Ham in a derby game. Um, and then also the playing, like obviously Thursday in the Europa League away from home in Prague. So, like Liverpool have had adequate rest time. Liverpool have got more preparation than them. It's at Anfield. There's no travelling involved. There's no excuses. We've got to win the game. But that said, as I said before, they're a bit of a bogey team and Looking at the team that they've put out in the Champions League, in the Europa League game, sorry, they've made quite a lot of changes, really. I mean, Higuain's on the bench, Hazard's on the bench, Kante's on the bench, um, Hudson Adoy's never, not even travelled, I don't think, because he's not even in the squad. Uh, David Luiz is on the bench, so you would expect all five or six of them to start the game at Anfield on Sunday. So even though I'm saying Liverpool should be fresher, because we've had more preparation time, They've still got half a team there that are likely to play the game against Liverpool at Anfield. So it's going to be tough. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Chelsea have had a little bit of a, an up and down season. They started really well and they were in contention at the start. It was a three-horse race at the start of the season. They were right up there. 
Then he had a little bit of a dip, didn't he? And then he got smashed against Man City as well in the league game. And everyone just thought that, you know, that's it. They're not even going to get top four. That's how, how, how much they thought the, the, the fall from grace was massive this season for them. And there was all in fighting there. And there's the trouble with the goalkeeper, wasn't he? Kepa in the final with Sarri and people were saying he'd lost the dressing room and what have you. But, you know, they've seemed to pick up a little bit of form recently. He lost against Everton at Goodison, and I think since then they've gone on a little bit of a, a, a run and streak, and they're doing all right. They're back up to third in the league, and you know it's all to play for for, for them Champions League spots, and, and obviously going to try and win the Europa League as well. But like I say, this is this is a massive game on Sunday, and you know they've just hit a little bit of form at the right time, the wrong time for us, but the right time for themselves. And and look, they've got dangerous players, no matter what you want to say about them. Higuain may not be what he once was, but the fact is that he's a goal scorer. So if he gets a chance on Sunday at Anfield, you're going to put your, your life on it that he's going to score. You know, Eden Hazard always seems to turn up in his game against Liverpool. He, he's always like, you know, he's had a very good season, to be fair to the lad, and his fantastic goal he scored the other night against West Ham. And he, he looks like he's, he's been rested for the Europa League game. So, you know, he's going to be quite fresh at Anfield and he always tends to do well against Liverpool, so that's a slight concern. Um, Hudson Odoi is a little bit of an unknown quantity. He, he's, he's very raw, isn't he? But he's got ability. We all know with the tricks that he's got and he's made his England debut now, so, you know, he's going to be confident, the young boy. Um, but then it doesn't just stop there. You know, Pedro's dangerous on his day. You know, we all know about William. He scored a goal last season against us as well. I still think it was a cross myself, but, you know, was poor for it, but he equalised for them last season at Anfield. So, you know, they've got players that can hurt you. There's no doubt about it. And we all know how good Kante is. You know, he gets around the pitch so well. He's brilliant, isn't he? Energy level. So, you know, we're going to have a job on our hands. There's no two ways about it. I don't think they're great defensively, though. I do think they can be got at. I'm not sure they'll be able to contain us at Anfield if Liverpool are on form and flying at them. I'm not sure, but, you know, it's certainly going to be a tough game, but it's a game that, as I said before, there's no excuses whatsoever. Liverpool have had adequate time preparation for this game, and they haven't had ideal preparation at all, really. We're having, basically, it's going to be three games, isn't it? In, in, in what, six days? No, that's, that, that's yep. really difficult. That's really difficult, you know, three games, six days. I know they've rotated a little bit, but, you know, Liverpool have got to be winning this game on Sunday, and, and I think we will do. Yeah, and just one um, point you made about Eden Hazard there always like always turns up if you like in, in the games against Liverpool. He's he's publicly openly admitted it, hasn't he? That it's a, it's his favourite away ground. He loves playing against Liverpool. He loves he loves the Anfield Stadium. So obviously that that gives him a boost just playing for Chelsea at at Liverpool um, before the. The game even kicks off, but like you say, yeah, Chelsea have got a lot of um, lot of dangerous players, not just Hazard, who's in their squad. So yeah, it's going to be a tough game on Sunday, and um, looking forward to it. Though, and we'll we'll get our score predictions shortly. But just before we do that, Jay, um, our thoughts on the on the starting lineup. Obviously, with the Southampton game when Alden played in, in the the midfield. Didn't he with with Keita, um and Fabino with Henderson and Milner on the bench and then Porto on Tuesday Keita remained in the start at eleven Genie dropped to the bench um, Henderson played uh, Fabino kept his place so it's always the the midfield areas isn't it where where Klopp's got a, a dilemma in who to pick so just your thoughts. Put yourself in in Jurgen's shoes. Who do you go with in, in in that midfield for the the game against Chelsea, please, Jay? Well, I'm quite happy that he seems to have settled back for the four three three system because he did sort of tamper with it a little bit at times this season with a four two three one, and it and it did say it's you know, some players it did suit, other players it didn't suit, and I just think it's it was better going back to the the tried and trusted method of four three three because. That's how we got to the Champions League final last season, scoring goals for fun. And I just think this could be the system that wins us the league title this season. And, you know, I think Fabinho has got to start because, you know, he's the man that sits there in front of basically the back four, takes it off the centre-half, he's in the right place, right times, positional sense is fantastic. 
loves to break play up, always forward thinking with his passing, keeps it going, bit of a tempo set, a very good player he's got to start. I just think with what you're saying there, the, the line-up against Southampton and the line-up against Porto, I just think all things considered, and I know it sounds... It's quite harsh on the lads because he's just scored two and two. But I'd, I'd be very surprised if Keita started this game because I think when you analyse the bigger pitch, yeah, Wijnaldum's been very good in midfield this season. And he's just sort of like started to dip a little bit as form. He looked very mm. tired against Tottenham. He looked tired against Southampton. He's given him his rest. He had his rest against Porto. Now, I, I, can't, I, I simply can't see him missing this game. I think he'll be brought back into the side. For, for Naby Keita, I do, I really do, and, and I think Henderson will start the game as well. So it'll be, for me, I think it's going to be Wijnaldum and Henderson as the more advanced midfield players, with Fabinho sitting just, just behind them. Um, the front three just, it picks itself, doesn't it? Salah one side, Mane the other, Firmino up top. And then, of course, the, the defence, uh, Andy Robertson had a much deserved rest. I know he was, he was suspended for the game against Porto, but, He's had his little break now, and that'll do him now until the end of the season. He'll come back in at left back. James Milner had, you know, tireless night, didn't he, up and down that left side. So I can see him sitting there out being on the bench. Um, Sent Alexander Arnold at right back, and you know the centre half pairing now because Lovren came into the side, didn't he, against Porto? Yeah, that's another one. I do think Matt will get his place back because it's been him and Van Dijk, hasn't it, being at the heart of the defence. You know, for such a long time now since Gomez and Love from the being out injured. So I think Joe Matter will come back into the side to partner Van Dyke and, you know, obviously Allison between the sticks. And I think that'll be the team 4 3 3. Yeah, I totally agree with uh, with what you're saying there. Yeah, that would also be my expected lineup with, um, obviously, you said Bernaldum sitting the game out against, um, against Southampton and Cater playing the two games on the bounce, although he has done well. Um, I'd say two, possibly seven, eight out of ten performances. I still probably don't think it it merits a place to start against Chelsea um, in what could be go a long way towards us winning winning a title. So I just think you're right in what you're saying, and Naby Keita will probably sit this one out alongside um, Milner yeah. on the bench. With yeah. um, I, I think I think though when you when you look at Keita the other night though against Porto, I mean. I'm fantastic for the lads, you know, we scored the first goal, a very important goal. But there was occasions where he got dispossessed in danger series. One time mm. trying a silly flick, put us under pressure, and another time where he was really weak in the challenge. And that's not me having a go at the lad, but he needs to he needs to strengthen up a little bit and he needs to cut out them little flicks here and there. Don't get me wrong, I love it when he drops the shoulder and that little burst of energy and he goes past men. He done in he done it in a, basically in the last minute, didn't he? Against Porto, but there was a couple of occasions yeah. where he could have cost us, and I don't, and, and and obviously Klopp's not stupid. He knows that as well. He knows that he's not the finished article yet. So a massive game like it is against Chelsea, I don't think he'll take that risk because it's quite clear to see. We've, we've said on podcasts in the past that regards Shakiri and Kate. I don't think Klopp 100% trusts them yet tactically. And that for me is the reason why I cannot see him starting against Chelsea on Sunday. And bearing in mind them couple of incidents against Porto, because all I seen on Twitter was like a loving about it because he scored a goal and it's his second, he got two in two now. But let's get real about mm. it and analyse the bigger picture. He could have cost us in that game as well. And I know he never, but my point is he put us under pressure on two occasions in that second half. So Klopp will know that. And you know as well as I do the way Klopp, Klopp is. He's a disciplinarian for, for, for tactics and getting them spot on. And that, for me, is partly the reason why Shakiri had to get the sniff at the moment. He doesn't get a look in because he doesn't trust them tactically. And I just think with Keita, he's good in certain areas, but there was two occasions where they really, he could have put us under massive pressure. Well, he did put us under pressure and thankfully we got away with it. I don't think Klopp would take that risk on Sunday. And that's the reason why I think Genie Wijnaldum will come back into the starting lineup. Alongside Henderson and Fabinho. Yeah, and, and what looks like it's going to be a, a very strong bench as well on Sunday, taking into to consideration that Joe Gomez is now back, isn't he? And Lovren may, may drop to the bench, and you've got Sturridge, Rigi, Milner, Cater, um, possibly Lalana returning. So, yeah, now the, the strength and depth is back after the, 
these injuries, setbacks, isn't it? Apart from, like we said, Chamberlain and, and Brewster, who's not really featured in the first team squad yet anyway. Um, just coming up to the end of the season now, it looks like um, even there's going to be people, players, sorry, vying for the place on the bench. Right then, Jay, before we um, play, introduce the music of the, the band that's been in touch with us this week, we're going to get our, our score predictions in. So you can go first and uh, give us your thoughts on your score prediction and your reasons for that, please, Jay. OK, well, I mean, I did say, didn't I, um, at this moment in time now, it doesn't really matter about the performance levels. It's all about getting the three points. I mean, people will look at the goal difference and yeah, OK, we've got Cardiff and Huddersfield coming up. So, you know, Liverpool could put three or four past Cardiff. They could put three or four past Huddersfield as well. So, you know, that goal difference could really come. You know, we could we could level off at the goal difference, really, to tell you the truth, because we've got a couple of games there where we could get a half full of goals. But on the other hand, I have said, haven't I, it, it's not necessarily about that no more. It's, it's all about getting the three points. It's as simple as that for me. And... You know, I just think on Sunday it could very well be a cagey game because, as I touched on before, they are a little bit of a bogey team and there's a massive rivalry between us. So I just think it, it's all about getting the three points. I mean, look at look at the game against Spurs. It was a game of two halves, wasn't it? In the first half, Liverpool were in control. Should really have been tuning up, I would say, by half time. Second half, you know, Tottenham took over really and. It's very disappointing, really, because we'd spoken about it, hadn't we, about Dembele ran the show the season before, and it won't happen again because he'd, he'd moved on to pastures new, but that's exactly what happened. And, you know, it took an injury time own goal for Liverpool, well, a last minute, 90th minute own goal for Liverpool to win the game. And it's just all about the three points. And that's, that's sort of like applies for Sunday against Chelsea because it's a massive game. They're the third best team, aren't they, at this moment in time in the league? So, you know, it's absolutely huge to get these three points and forget like City when City beat them six nil. That was a that was just a freak, do you know what I mean? I know they lost it was it four nil to Bournemouth as well, not so long ago, or like maybe January time, something like that. They've come away from that though now. They've hit a little bit of a better form, haven't they? And people will say, Well, Everton beat them two nil not so long ago. They did. But if, if anyone watched that game in the first half, Chelsea should have been two or three nil up by half time. And in the second half, they just I don't know what happened to them. Everton come out of the traps quick and obviously caught them cold and ended up winning the game. And, and it was a great result for Everton, no doubt about it. But I don't think you can read too much into them in, into them performances and them games, really, because, you know, this is going to be a bit different because, you know, they're fighting for the top four now and we're running out of games. We're running out of games for the title. They're running out of games for the top four. So it's vitally important for both sides. And what I will say, is if Liverpool start quick and hopefully get an early goal, then that'll settle us and, you know, we should should go on and win the game comfortably. But I just get the impression it's going to be really tight, really cagey. You know, they, they have got very good players. There's no two ways about it. And, you know, midfield's going to be, be key as ever. I mean, Kante is obviously a very good player. They've got Jorginho who just passes the ball to death, doesn't he? Um, you know, it's interesting to see who plays with them. But if they do start Hudson-Odoi, and obviously Hazard's going to start and Higuain's probably going to start as well, They've got massive goal threats there as well, haven't they? And a bit of pace and power as well. So, you know, certainly with Hudson and Doy's pace and Hazard's fantastic, isn't he? So, you know, it's it, it's going to be a really tough game. It really is. But I just think this means so much to Liverpool. And, you know, you've got to take the emotion out of it. And the, the players have got a job to do. And and I do think they understand the importance of this this game. And, and that's what I'm thinking the game against Porto in midweek. I think the second half... He certainly had one eye on this game on Sunday because it's it's just absolutely huge. It's a massive game. I don't think people can can sort of you can't really put uh, words can't describe how important it is. It's an absolutely huge game of football. There's no two ways about it, and it's uh, the toughest game we've got left. And if we win this, then the belief's got to be there that we'll do it. And I know it's out of our hands, and I know City. You know, if they win every game and so do we, then we won't win the league and it'll be devastating if, if that, that happens. But this is the toughest game we've got. And if Liverpool can get the three points, we've just got to have that belief that we're going to win the title. And, you know, to me, this is our chance now to, to rectify what happened five years ago. And I think we will do, but I think it's going to be really tight and it'll be a narrow win. So I'm just going to go for a one nil Liverpool win. And it doesn't matter who gets the goal. 
it'd be fantastic if it's Salah. You know, we used to play for Chelsea and they got rid of him. But it doesn't really matter who gets it. As long as Liverpool get the three points win the game, that's all that truly matters. And I think it, the, the scoreline on Sunday will be Liverpool 1, Chelsea 0. So a 1-0 scoreline prediction, sorry for Jay there. Um, yeah, my own thoughts on a, on a scoreline, I'll be honest with you, after the, the pre- previous two games, I've thought to myself, coming up to this Chelsea game, I've just been in the frame of mind of we're gonna, we're gonna tear Chelsea apart, we're gonna, we're gonna absolutely smash them off the park. But after speaking to Jay on this podcast and all his, his information about the Chelsea team and, and things like that, I'm just gonna rein in a little bit because obviously very good side coming, can't take anything for granted. I just think, but with the crowd behind us, gonna be absolutely Electric, especially if we we know that fingers crossed City have uh, slipped up beforehand and um, dropped points against Crystal Palace, which will make it even more important. Then, um, so my thoughts are that Liverpool are going to go out there and, and annihilate Chelsea in this game. But I'm just going to reel it in a little bit, um, and I'm going to go with a two nil scoreline for Liverpool, a goal in each half. Um, I think very strong defensively now with with Virgil and um, and Allison. In that back five, if you like, so very strong at the back midfield. We can we can get at their midfield without a doubt. Can't say good player, but not the biggest, not the strongest. So I think he he can be bullied around the pitch by Anderson Fabino. Um, defensively, like Jay also said, Louise and uh, Rudiger, not the best two centre backs um, in the Premier League for me. Both of them are there to be got out as well. So I just just think. Liverpool are going to get the three points. It's vitally important that we get the three points and it'll be a, a 2-0 victory for Liverpool in this game. Fingers, toes, everything crossed. Touching wood as well. So, before we go, Jay, just going to introduce the band who's been on in touch with us on Twitter this week. Liverpool band go by the name of Candy Opera. So, the song I'm going to play for you is called I Can See From
Okay, so that's the cop table preview of the Liverpool versus Chelsea game. All done. Thanks very much for joining me tonight, Jay. Appreciate your time once again. No problem, mate. Hopefully, you know, it's a good day on Sunday and we can all look forward to the, that wonderful day in May and lifting that title. But, like I say, one game at a time and this is the one now. We've got to get three points Sunday and, you know, all about get all about getting one over on Chelsea after what they done to us five years ago. But the bigger mm-hmm. picture is it go a long way then for Liverpool maybe securing the league title. So fingers crossed for Sunday. Spot on, Jake. So yeah, once again, thanks to the at Liverpool online um, Facebook social media Instagram pages for putting all our podcasts out on their their social media platforms. And don't forget to stay updated with uh, the No More Knives campaign with uh, Paul Bentley. He's now selling T-shirts around the city with the with the No More Knives campaign um, logo on. So all his information is on um, on Paul's Facebook and his and his Twitter page as well. So thanks very much everybody for listening, and uh, we'll be back with our next uh, preview podcast next week. Thanks very much. Goodbye. All this week on NBC4, new products to new technology. Susan Hogan is showing you how local restaurants are changing the way we dine in and take out in this new world. Tonight at 6. A new twist on outdoor eating. A lot of it is creating flexibility. How one local restaurant is making their outdoor space mobile, giving you plenty of sunshine and social distance for a stress-free meal. It's all part of restaurant revitalization. Tonight at 6 on NBC4, working for you. All this week on NBC4, new products to new technology. Susan Hogan is showing you how local restaurants are changing the way we dine in and take out in this new world. Tonight at 6. A new twist on outdoor eating. A lot of it is creating flexibility. How one local restaurant is making their outdoor space mobile, giving you plenty of sunshine and social distance for a stress-free meal. It's all part of restaurant revitalization. Tonight at 6 on NBC4, working for you. Sports Social Podcast Network.